Welcome to the Wake Up Your Warrior podcast with me, Christine Cohen. Every week, we will share conversations with humans whose lives have been transformed by the power of movement on their mental health, break down the latest neuroscience, and hopefully inspire you to wake up your inner warrior to fight for the best versions of you every single day. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to another conversation on the Wake Up Your Warrior podcast. Sue Rue is our guest today, and we go in deep. Well, we always go in deep, but today in the literal sense. Sue is a myofascial release therapist who taps into the physical and emotional traumas that lie deep within our cells. And she not only shares what that is, but she shows us by guiding us through a mini session so we can start to feel what this practice feels like on ourselves. It is so, so cool. I can't wait for you to try it. Go check out the video version of this podcast on my YouTube channel to get the visual if you like. I want to make sure I mention this before I forget. I'm doing a free workshop called How to Naturally Improve Your Depression and Anxiety for Good. If you've ever wondered what you could be doing to improve and maybe even resolve the physiological causes of anxiety and depression naturally, this is for you. If you've never heard of the physiological causes of anxiety and depression, then you'll definitely want to check out this workshop. Feeling empowered in our health, especially our mental health, is priceless. And I want to teach you how you can heal your brain by healing your body through research-proven methods. Yes, neuroscience methods, but I promise it's going to be really fun and really interesting and totally ready to understand. What you're going to learn is the most undervalued and overlooked root cause of anxiety and depression. We're also going to talk about the biggest mistakes people make when trying to use natural methods to improve their mental health. We're going to tap, we're going to go over the top natural methods that are proven to relieve depression and anxiety. And we're also going to discuss how to create a program that works for your personal symptoms and even more importantly, how to stick to it. If you're interested, click the link in the show notes below and register to watch this free workshop. I can't wait for you to learn what I have to share. All right, so we're going to dive into the interview, but I want to give you a little bit of background about our girl, Sue. Sue has been involved, excuse me, Sue has been evolving her practice for over 13 years, helping her clients shift restricted areas found within the fascial matrix to create more fluidity and alignment within the body. In doing so, she's been able to help her clients overcome the anxiety they unknowingly hang on to so that they can move beyond it. Beginning in 2020, Sue has transitioned her in-person practice to the virtual space, offering grounding foundations where she guides clients with how to tap into their own fascia to help reduce stress, anxiety, and other body pain as a new revolutionary self-care practice. Sue lives in London, Ontario, Canada with her partner, Jared, and their angel daughter, Avelina. She was published in The Great Canadian Woman, She Is Strong and Free book in 2019, and is the host of the Love Your Cells podcast and a co-host of the Everybody Holds a Story podcast, which I got to be a guest on a few months ago. Ultimately, her mission is to help guide the next generation of humans with understanding and loving their bodies. 
Let's dive into today's episode. Oh, thank you for taking the time to do that. I appreciate that. Yeah. When did your podcast release? July 26th. Oh, okay. So yeah, mm-hmm. very recent. Yeah. Awesome. It's new. <laughs> do you love I it? I really do. I'm like, why didn't I start this earlier? Because podcasts are literally the one type of social media that I actually enjoy consuming and I'm obsessed with them. Mm-hmm. And I listen to them every single day of my life. So the fact that I've now just started one, everything in its own time, that's what I just keep saying. But I'm like, this is amazing. This is so much fun. I love talking to people and I get to meet people all over the world. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that do amazing things. Um, and it just leaves me inspired every single time. So thank you for coming on, Sue. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so I like to jump right in and I want to know what is your favorite way to move your body? Oh, right now it is walking the golf course because we moved to this property that has a golf course in the backyard. I know white, white privilege over here. Um, I didn't start golfing until I moved here. So golf is really hard. So for me, it was that four hour walk in nature and just hitting a ball with some sticks once in a while along the way um, is now my new favorite way to move my body. And it ends up being about 6K. Wow. And how many, so you're out there for a few hours? Four hours is is usually a typical 18 hole round of golf and Tuesdays are ladies day. And then I usually pick up one or two other spots through the week. And um, I just really look forward to it as someone who's done mar- like half marathon running, um, Highland dancing for many, many years. Um, this just seems it just seems more carefree and less harsh on my body as I age, (laughs) but I'm still really sore at the end of the day um, because there's lots of hills and, you know, you're moving your body and twisting your body as you shoot the uh, shoot to hit the ball. So um, it's definitely a different, different movement for me all around. So I have never connected to golf. The most golf I've played is nine hole mini golf. And I always joke about, like, I will put golf on TV if I want to fall asleep. And that's the thing I'll choose to watch. (laughs) So I'm so curious, what is it that golf, like, what is it that being, like, the whole experience, right? Like, obviously, being out, connected to nature, Mm -hmm. community. um, What do you feel? Like, what does it give you? Um, What are you being fulfilled by with that movement? Um, I feel very grounded out there. Um, and like you said, with the community part of it, we know this past year and a half, we've been, um, more isolated than ever. And so it's really nice to, it just feels like I'm walking in the forest with my girlfriends. So the energy and the vibe is, uh, is what I kind of crave now. So I love how we stumble into things that we never thought we would. And I just want to like rewind back to when you said competitive Highland dancing. (laughs) And can we just talk about that for a second? First of all, is that like Irish step dancing? What is that? No, but I do know how to dance an Irish jig. Um, That comes in handy. (laughs) It's, It's just a part of our competitive, I don't know, the dance... How did you get into yeah competitive island dancing? 
You did so, it for, you said 18 years? I started when I was three. I can teach it now, actually. And, uh, which I hired that out because my daughter started doing it virtually with my cousin who, um, we, I grew up two hours from where I live now and she took over the dance school that we danced at our whole, like our whole adolescence. So from three till I think it was in my twenties, like 21, 22, when I eventually went to Scotland, um, to compete there. Um, yeah, it is kilts, velvet vests, especially in the summer heat, you're like dying of heat <laughs> and like the kilts are wool and you're dancing over swords and it's basically, oh, okay. yeah, yes. it's, it's like bagpipes, like all of that. It's basically like jump rope gymnastics. That's how I was like trying to think about it in my head because you're like in one spot, flailing your legs everywhere, leaping. And it really is. I even say to this day, because some of my workouts, I'll just bust out a fling because it's a really good cardio workout. Instead, if I don't want to do like jump squats today, I'm going to just dance a fling. It's like a minute and a half and my heart is pounding and I'm sweating. (laughs) Yeah. Cause you're basically sprinting as you're like jumping up and down. And it's very symmetrical sport. So now that I'm golfing, I'm realizing how symmetrical my body is, which in my work is very important alignment, right? A happy body is an aligned body. So I know that growing up training, because to be a competitive pilot dancer, that's like, you have to practice a lot and it's so much strength. And, um, I know that that prepared my body now that I'm I'm always, I'm like, now that I'm almost 40, um, I feel that that helped to strengthen my skeleton actually, um, up until like for my whole life in this body. So, um, I'm very grateful to have been pushed into it. My, like, I'm not even Scottish. I'm like Dutch and Irish, (laughs) but my cousins were doing it and they were all older than me. And my mom was just like, well, let's, you know, let's throw Susan into the van and send her away with all the cousins every Saturday. And whatever. Um, I just happened to be good at it. So I competed. I started competing when I was seven. I was in the highest category when I was nine, um, traveling around, um, Canada, I even, um, performed at Disneyland, Disney world. And, and then eventually in Scotland, I became a teacher when I was 16. You have to take all of these exams and, um, yeah. What a big part of your life. Huge. It's so, it really is so beautiful. I visited Scotland for the first time a couple of years ago and I've always wanted to go and I adored it. I didn't even know what Outlander was until after I had made my plans to go. And then a client of mine said, you should watch this show before you go, which I did. And I fell in love with it even more. And then I was even more excited to go see it. But um, when you painted the picture of the dancing and the swords. And I did get to see a little bit of that um, while I was there, which was amazing, amazing. How did you, um, so you mentioned like dancing, you mentioned you used to run half marathons. And before we started this interview, you started to tell me, um, or in your Mm pre-interview, that cardio is really the type of movement that has specifically helped you manage anxiety and stress. 
So what I'm curious about is what, if you were to like tune in and like describe it out for us, what are you experiencing um, doing like inside with those types of movement that you think helps with anxiety and stress? And just to like clarify this even more, um, I've explained how I read this beautiful book called The Joy of Movement by Dr. Kelly McGonigal. And in there, she really breaks down how different movements help us tap into different versions of ourself. So um, like in dance, often people will describing, describe, I feel graceful, I feel free. And that's a proprioceptive response, which in turn, our mind thinks I am strong, uh, I am graceful, I am free. When we're doing other things like running long distance, the thoughts of I am resilient, I endure hard things, you know, I don't give up in the face of a challenge are thoughts that the mind thinks, even if they're subconscious. So I'm super curious if you were to go inside yourself, what could you maybe help express like that you're experiencing during that? I have a lot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm going to hold my crystal while I say this. Um, so knowing what I know now and the work that I do now, um, which is myofascial release and understanding that fascia is wrapped around every single cell in our body. So up into our brains, down into our abdomens, all the way down to our feet in one continuous loop, like a big magical web of fibers, like holding ourselves together. It holds us, it molds us. So whatever it is that we're doing, whether it's um, walking the golf course, whether it's in yoga class, whether it's a marathon run or Highland dancing, the energy that we are exuding in whatever activity that we're doing is affecting every single cell in our body, right? So for example, the cardio aspect, you begin to breathe heavier, right? Like that's just a natural body thing. When we are running, we're, we're breathing heavy, which is then expanding that fascia in our diaphragm, which is then expanding the fascia in our abdomen, which is then opening up that channel, right? If we really want to get into like the energetic, um, you know, chakras and all that stuff. Um, so when you asked that question, I was like opening, it provides an opening inside of my body and that opening allows for more flow. So that brings in more like euphoric feelings coming in through my mind, my, my heart space, um, my solar plexus my, down to my root chakra, right? Like it's just, I think it's just all encompassing um, as an opening feeling. Um, I feel that way with, um, yoga and even in meditation, because a lot of that, a lot of the breath and the way we breathe is super important to lowering any sort of anxious feelings or, you know, shifting any sort of depressive states that we have, um, stuck in our bodies. I hope that answers so beautifully so beautifully and i love that because i've never heard that word associated yet mm. um so thank you for bringing that new word into like yeah. you know into my world as well as everybody who's listening um you know as we share our own stories it allows us things to open up within others too mm -hmm. um with um 
So since you brought up what you do, which is intuitive myofascial release, and you did explain so well what fascia is, um, but can you, first of all, how did you even get into that? Um, Let's start there. Yeah. Long story short, I graduated from college here with a political science degree, sitting over there on the floor collecting dust. I (laughs) realized what I didn't want to (laughs) do. And uh, I was, you know, it was in the days where like Facebook didn't exist. Like all we had was Google basically. So I'm sitting at this bank job and going through careers and I was just like, I need to find something like what, what is calling me? What am I here to do? Like, this is not it. (laughs) And massage therapy just kept coming up and coming up. And in Canada, it's a two year college degree program. And usually going into massage therapy college, you come out from the first university or college with a science background, which I didn't have. So I was like, oh, I don't know if that's it. Like, it's going to be, you know, a few hoops for me to get in. But it kept tapping me and kept tapping me. And back then in my early 20s, you know, I wasn't really in tune with my body at all. Right. Like I was math, science, um, the world, like writing essays, like all these things that, um, I wasn't really like anatomy or like body interested, or I didn't feel like I I was. So I was like, what is this? So I look up the school that kept coming up. And of course it's down the street from my house or my, my apartment that I was renting. And I was like, huh, (laughs) This must well, be that's convenient. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And back then it was like, um, okay, do I, you know, apply for more student loans? Right. Like I would have had to, so I had to do that. Um, I did all the applying. I had to take a prerequisite course to get in because I didn't have the background, the, the anatomy background. And uh, I didn't tell my parents, this is a really funny story. I don't think I've ever even shared it on a podcast before. And uh, my birthday's in December, December 2nd. And I was driving home to tell my parents that I got accepted. I got accepted for the funding. And like, this is my career now. Two minutes down the highway, I get in a car accident. I hit the median. I spin three. My car is spinning around like so fast. Three lanes of traffic. I hit a snowbank. Total my car. And uh, it's like, oh my gosh, like, what does this mean? Wow. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Am I doing the right thing? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, that's just a random story. It turns out I was doing the right thing. And um, my car being smashed, we ended up making money because of another car ended up hitting my car in that same accident. And so it all worked out. And I didn't have to pay for a car while I was in school because I could just walk there because it was down the street. So it all like came together. And uh, so I you told your parents. I told my <laughs> parents that next weekend when they had to come pick me up. <laughs> <laughs> pick me up. And then I, yeah, I told my dad and he was like in the car right home. He was like, oh, thank goodness. And I was like, really? Because I was shocked that he was happy that I was going into more school. He was like, yeah, you're picking up a trade. That's great. And my dad is like blue collar, like tool and die tradesman, right? His whole life. So 
I was like, oh, that's relieving. So, but in massage therapy school, you don't learn anything about fascia. And I mean, they do now because the curriculum has changed. And I actually sat on the board to create another school in the city um, and made sure that that was a part of the curriculum. But um, when I graduated, I took over for a maternity leave, just an RMT massage therapist here um, was about to burst and have her baby. And I found her ad on Kijiji and she was like, oh my God, I was just going to take this down. She's like, do you think you can come in today? And I was like, yeah, I'm not doing anything. So I go to her and I remember walking to her clinic. So I had to take the bus. I still didn't have a car. And uh, I had this like kink in my hip. You know, when you have like your, like your hip flexor, it just feels really stuck. I remember walking there. Yeah, exactly. I remember walking there being like, oh, this is weird, but like, good thing I'm going for a massage (laughs) because that's, that's the interview. I massage her. She massages me. And, uh, she did myofascial release and I hadn't, I hadn't even heard about it then. That was back in 2008. And, uh, she took my hip pain away immediately. And, um, it was just such a different modality, right? Like we're trained in school to have lotions and oils on our hands and myofascial release. You don't have any of that because that creates a barrier between your, your fascia and your client's fascia. So even as she was treating me, I was like, what is she doing? (laughs) I'm trying to like dissect her treatment. Cause I'm like, what is this magical healing modality? (laughs) So, uh, she hired me obviously. And, uh, the next course, it was a John Barnes course. He's out of Arizona. He's like the guru. Um, and he back then was traveling around and he would do weekend courses. So he was in Toronto, which is two hours from uh, where I live. And so she hired me in May and the course was in July. And I remember taking that three day course coming back on the train being like, this is it. This is it for me. This is how I'm going to help people. And um, now when I say intuitive, it's like, I've just applied those principles and everything that I've um, all the different tricks that I've learned. And I've sort of been guided to women's um, abdomens. And so for years, I was like, why is my hands gravitating towards abdomens? Why? And I just started, I was just like, okay, Sue, stop asking why. (laughs) Just keep going. And um, so for, I I would say for the past 10 years-ish, I've been just hands deep in abdominal fascia. And what that does is it helps to relieve tension and stress in other areas of our bodies, like um, jaw pain, neck pain, shoulder pain, low back pain, specifically low back pain. It's always in the stomach. Um, the majority of our fascia resides in our abdominal cage because we got a lot of organs we gotta keep in there, right? So, um, and we also make humans in there and they gotta stay in there. So it's really powerful. And um, now because we got locked out, I was banned from my job March, 2020. Like seriously, like every even in Canada right now, things are still like. Um, I just knew that I could help more people, coach them using their own hands on their own abdominal fascia to help calm, release tension, 
and that anxiety piece that you and I connect with so well um, is all in there. So um, it's been pretty awesome to A, meet the people that I get to work with now who are like all over the world. Um, But then being able to show them that they have the power in their own hands. And when the world locks down and we can't necessarily go to that therapist or go to the gym or go to their normal places that we're used to, we have our own hands. (laughs) I even uh, had a client a couple of weeks ago. She's a friend of mine. She's a quadriplegic, but she's only a partial. So she does have some function with her hands. And I was like, Rose, I need to test this on you. Because she she broke her neck when she was like 17. She's been on our podcast, but um, and now she's like had three C-sections and kids and, and everything. And wow. I was just I was like, I was like, let's just try this and uh, it helped take her headache away, which was whatever. But she has a ton of anxiety from her or like original accident. Like everything we've gone through in our lives, whether that's surgery, accidents, um, stress, and anything like it's still all in there, right? Like our cells are like the computer hard drives. Like it just, it's always there. And Mm -hmm. it's whether we allow it to control us or we can practice and work on ourselves. Right. So. Absolutely. Um, I just word vomited everywhere. (laughs) But it's so interesting because I think for me, I've been a fitness professional for now almost 15 years. And I was lucky enough to have my first job with somebody who was also in school to become a doctor of physical therapy. And she taught me about fascia on like day one. But I think like, even if you were to say massage therapy versus myofascial release to somebody, they, it's like goes right over their head, like, one year and out the other. So if you could just briefly explain what is even the difference um, of like, even in the process of what someone might do in a myofascial release session, that would be different from a massage therapy session. Yeah, absolutely. Um, That's a good question because I, there are a few different ways and 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 a lot of therapists that i know who do similar work to to what i do we all still have different views on it right so i like i'm just sharing from my experience with my clients and myself so the first rule which we i think we were talking about at the start of the show is like um there's no lotion or oil used and to the client we request that they don't put lotion or oil on their body as well which is hard for women <laughs> like bring your lotion i'll you know i'll apply put it on after treatment it's fine i want you dry <laughs> dry as toast yeah. <laughs> fresh out of the shower Um, so that's the number one, um, difference because lotions or oils create like a barrier between your hand and the client body or your hands and your body. So, um, we want fascia on fascia connection. Okay. And you might show the video. So here, um, because 
it's liquid. We can change it, right? We're not solid beings whatsoever, even down to our bones. So, um, right, we want that direct connection. Fascial work is slow, slower than if you have lotion on and you're like gliding. So say you go for like a deep tissue and they have lube you up with all the oils, like they're going pretty fast. Right. And they're mm-hmm. kind of like muscle kneading and, and using their elbow and moving. Right. Which is, has its place, right. Circulatory and look, lymph and all that stuff like that. There's a place there, but for myofascial release, it's very sustained pressure. So as a therapist, you have to have lots of patience. <laughs> That's like the number one thing that I teach other RMTs is like, when you think you ha- you've been waiting too long, wait longer. Because <laughs> it'll start to feel like your hands are like gluing into their cellular suit, which is true. You're like going into the layers and the layers and there's very little pressure actually um so so it's it's light so it's not like this super intense feeling from the patient side of things either like they're really digging in they're just digging into my abdominal section or anything like that it's not like that at all no no it's very very slow and it has to be done right if if it is too fast it will feel like it's ripping it will feel like there's pain um there are some therapists out there that do go too fast and i've had a lot of them come into my clinic being like oh it hurts i'm like no what would be a sensation that you would want your client to experience Ooh, so oh yeah that's what i also wanted to say is like if someone comes in with say like neck and shoulder pain i may not necessarily touch their neck and shoulders which seems weird why, we go to, why not? We go to the opposite of the pain because normally it's from something anterior pulling or if we have jaw pain, it's usually something like on the opposite end. Um, so the client would feel sensations in that area when I'm somewhere else. So that could be bubbles. It could be heat. A lot of times um, in myofascial release land, like the body will light up when you know you're connected fascially. So there's a lot of times where I'm in the abdomen and um, women's necks become really, really red, right? And they're, they're relaxed, right? Like that's what we encourage as well as like, you know, try to relax with every exhale, like let go of your shoulders. Um, to the point that there are myofascial unwinds, you can go to YouTube and watch some unwinding and like, it's like an exorcism on the table. And that's happened a lot. That happened to me, that happened to a lot like of Like they're moving involuntarily on yep. the table and they don't really, yep. there's like, they're not even thinking about it. They're like, it's happening, but I don't know. I can't control my arm. Yeah. It scares them sometimes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, that's really interesting. I have not experienced that, but I was watching, um, one of those goop Netflix series shows and one of them, uh, I don't even remember the guy's name who was doing work on them, but I don't know if he was touching their bodies or not. He wasn't there. He was in the quantum field, which is also super fascinating. Um, but at the end of that uh, episode, because I know exactly which one you're talking about, um, they talk about the fascia connection because fascia is 
so strong, like it's the glue that holds us together, but with the right amount of heat and pressure, it can become liquid. It's like, so say someone has held their breath for years, which is very common for women. We like hold it in. And so our diaphragm actually gets sort of like stuck in there mm. that when, when we can melt that and sort of like expand that fascia that w- runs all the way up, that's when the body will like adjust because it's like, what is this? What is this feeling? Right? Like I've, I've been holding for so long, but now I'm letting go. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. And what does that translate over to? in the mental health realm. <laughs> right. That's literally what I do right now. It's crazy. Um, I, so I really would, if you would, like, I would love for you to do a sample of this and okay. anyone listening can do it along with us just so like you really get an understanding of what this feels like on a small scale. Would you be able to do that? I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this will be very, very basic just to let everyone know. Um, there are some precautions and things that, you know, when you want to get into this practice, like our nervous system can set off at any time and is very vulnerable, right? So um, just to the listeners right now, I just want you to know that we're just going to feel what our fascia feels like and we're going to keep our eyes open. Normally in a session, we would be eyes closed um, and making sure that we're in a safe environment. Um, But really, we're just going to connect our hands to our abdomens and we're going to breathe into our hands. So um, I'll show you if you want me to. Oh my God, that would be amazing. I was (laughs) going to try and back up too, actually. Well, you can just sit where you are. No, okay. no, no problem. Um, I'm just going to show you like certain areas where um, I like to start with anyone new who's never done this before, um, because there's certain areas of our abdomen that are, are is more like okay, this is where our anxiety sits. This is where our emotions are held. This is our fight or flight, right? Like the psoas muscles, like when we're over top of that. So um, even the womb space you know, there's a lot. So for today we will, and this is what I do now. I literally like show my stomach on the internet to your clients. Yeah. <laughs> Virtual. I, I've never, yeah. And now I, I didn't know I was going to do this. So I, I'm wearing really tight. You're the best. Thank you so much. <laughs> if you can just rest your hands comfortably, I like to make like a little heart around my navel oh, because that's, that's like just that. like a really good location to start. And you can just sit back in your chair and just kind of like rest your neck against the back and just try to relax your shoulders and your elbows as much as you can. Okay. You might have to cut out some of my dog noises here. <laughs> okay. So keeping your eyes just like out of, out of gaze, I just want you to scan your body right now. And think about any areas of tension that might be present. So that could just be in the jaw. If you're holding the jaw, try to let that go. Shoulders relaxed, legs, hips. And what you're going to do is you're going to inhale into your hands. And you're going to stay connected with your hands to your abdomen, okay? 
When we inhale into our hands, sometimes people call it diaphragmatic breathing. We are just expanding our diaphragm when we can inhale through the navel and then gently let our bellies fall back to where it's comfortable. Keeping your hands connected, we like to wait a couple of minutes. Your hands will start to heat up. You might feel a pulse. They might start to feel sweaty and that's what you want. Some people expect it to be like explosions and fireworks. Nope, it's sweatiness. <laughs> so just continue to breathe. And on the exhale, so inhaling through your navel, pushing that out forward, exhaling, relaxing your shoulders, your neck, your jaw. Allowing your belly to expand fully. And some for some clients on a first time, this is a strange feeling to do. Inhaling through our navel and into the pelvis, opening up that space. Exhaling, allowing everything to relax. This practice is usually best when you are lying in bed. We're on a yoga mat with some blocks and pillows. But what you should begin to feel is that sweatiness underneath your hands into the palms. Maybe some heat pulsating around. And maybe you want to share anything that you're feeling, Christine. I'm definitely feeling warmth um, from my the palms of my hands onto my skin. Like with every inhale, I feel the warmth. Yeah. Um, and then with the exhale, like the receding of my stomach away from my hands, I guess I should keep the connection. Yes. The connection is what's important. As soon as you break contact, then we have to start over. Um, just... And it does feel like things are like melting under my skin like in my abdomen everything feels really relaxed and like any tension that I'm holding in there which I don't think I could like consciously connect to to relax feels like it is relaxing which feels really nice this technique and this practice is something you can incorporate into your day wherever you are so say you receive a phone call that sets you off and you're standing in your kitchen <laughs> connect your hands 
breathe into your hands for five minutes and just notice those heightened feelings lower, your nervous system calm, even just listening and taking those moments to listen to your body is something that I think feels strange for new clients that I work with. And then, you know, this is only five minutes on a podcast. Like we do this as group for 30 minutes and the results blow my own mind. I've never cried more. And I do cry with clients in the client, in the clinic room, but through a zoom screen this year, tears of joy, tears of release, tears of just celebration that these clients plus myself, cause I wouldn't be doing this if I hadn't been doing this on my own body for eight years, that connection to self is the missing piece to our mental, physical, emotional, spiritual health. I firmly believe that now. So when we want to break contact, we just want to make sure that we are a little bit slow. We don't want to just like shoot our hands off. <laughs> so if you are still connected, please just slowly release your hands and then take a big breath into your belly. I love that because I, um, so at the end of every warrior workout, I have us completely go from sympathetic to parasympathetic and we do that through breathing and silence. And I have us put a hand on our chest and one on our belly. I don't think I have us put it on our skin though. It's like always if I'm wearing a shirt and um, I can see just by connecting yourself to your own self, physically touching that um, is a whole other sensation that just intensifies the breath work, intensifies the calm, intensifies, like I always have everyone tune in and sense what they're experiencing, like their muscles are vibrating, their breath, taking deeper breath, because we never get that. It's very rare that we even give ourselves seconds, moments of silence in our day, there's always noise in the background, whether it's from the TV or our own mind. And I love this um, fascial connection. Now I'm definitely gonna incorporate more of this in my own life. So thank you for introducing this um, to all the listeners and for reminding me of what this feels like. But um, even in the sentiment that you shared of connecting to your own body and trusting in to your own self as opposed to looking outside yourself. Um, having some sort of physical connection, movement connection has always solidified that more for me. It's allowed me to even get out of the chatter of my head even more so um, as another tool. And so this practice um, like I think people who want to have that intuition connection to their own selves to understand 
what am I missing from like, why isn't this working for me? Why am I trying so hard to change my body and I can't seem to make it stick? You know, always looking outside the self for answers, dieting, a new trainer, a new protocol outside the fitness realm. You know, I have to change. It's, it's the jobs I need to change. It's the relationship I need to change. It's the thing that's always outside of me. And we don't learn the tools of how to connect inwardly. Not like this. No. I said for a few years, like, I'm the weirdo. But I'm the weirdo that needs or that has been given this gift to share. And last year when I was scared to put my 25 extra pound belly on a computer screen, I had to drop that because I can't take this to the grave. There are so many humans that I need to share this with. And um, just like everything else, like it's a practice that eventually becomes innate. You know, you mentioned, you know, we're not taught these tools. You're right, we're not. And I think your mission and my mission are very similar that way. Like we we're driven to leave our gifts to the earth for the next generation of humans. And um, this is my gift to give. And um, yeah, it's when you said connecting to yourself and connecting to, to your soul, like we, <laughs> what we did here today was just scratching the surface. <laughs> the incredible things that, when you tune in this way that you discover that you begin to, to listen to yourself. Like you said, I, you know, we have all this external noise and uh, really the power is just within us and uh, it's tapping into it. So um, I had this vision of, 500 humans in a zoom room collectively grounding our bodies and I like was standing in my very chic red tiled bathroom when I got this image in my head and I like laughed out loud at myself in the mirror and this was before I started the global grounding community which is our group space where we all uh, meditate together with this practice and that idea came to me for a reason Right? Like it came to me because I was listening. And yeah, so I think that's my advice to your listeners is to um, really go inward and, and listen to yourself because only you know. No one else knows what's, what's best for you. They can have some suggestions and they can have some great ideas and adding, adding to the goodness of you, but you ultimately know. That's such good advice. And I love what you do um, in parallel to what I do because I don't want someone to have to 
come back to me, come back to my services. I want to teach you how to guide your own self into understanding what your own self needs and how to listen. First of all, learn to listen, learn to interpret those messages. It's like another language. I think it's like magic. I think if there's magic in this world, this is it. And when, like you said, it's just scratching the surface. So what else is there to be untapped within? I'm really curious to hear what you would say to somebody to help them start to tune in, to help them start to even pick up um, a cue, an interceptive cue that the body is delivering um, and start to connect with those cues within their own body. What would you, how could you help someone? What would you say? I think the first step is always with the breath. We hold our breath. We just, we just do. (laughs) But when we can let go of that holding and take up space without judgment, right? You know, we, we're often not wanting to let our bellies go and expand because of judgment. You know, it's Um, interesting. I don't mean to interrupt you, but as I was putting my hands on my belly and I was breathing, my, you know, old dieting mentality thought came up like, this feels really big. This feels, I don't want to touch this part of my body. That's what an old dieting mentality thought came up in the very beginning of our five minute practice. And that's why it's like, uh, when you asked if we could do this, I was like, yeah, there's a lot to it. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know if I can, but I'll try. Um, Because yeah, I was the same way. Even when I first um, got together with my partner, I wouldn't, I didn't like him touching my stomach. It made me feel sick. So again, that takes practice, right? To be, um, so even that in itself, like self-acceptance, right? Accepting that you can let go of your breath and expand your belly and feel that freedom. You deserve that. (laughs) Yeah. What would it feel like to let this go, even for this five-minute practice? Be free from this. Like you could pick it back up if you want to when it's over, but just like the practice of trying that on in a safe space where mm-hmm. you're by yourself, even when we do the group, like everyone shuts their cameras off. It's just my belly on the screen. It's all good. But me, and maybe that's me overcoming that fear from years ago to give others permission to do the same. And just to that, I wanted to acknowledge you and say thank you for Um, moving through whatever was holding you back from sharing this work before and doing that work for yourself so that we could all grow through it um, when somebody else, you know, steps courageously into themselves and sheds the skin of whatever, fear, doubt, limitations. It really does create that light for the rest of us to realize, oh, we have the permission to do this anytime we want to. Um, and even it must be so cool to do it in your group Zoom classes because just knowing other people are out there in the world right now doing this with me already get, would give me comfort. Well, 
thank you. I received that fully. Um, Cause it did take a lot of courage for me to do it. And I need to say that I've been, you know, lucky enough to have the clients to who helped me with this last year, who were my test bodies through a computer screen. And um, what I want to mention with the group space is that it's not only the practice it's afterwards. It's afterwards when there is a safe container here for them to share if they want to, and to hear others share, which is important because that also gives them permission to share. And when I say it's like, it's not even about the physical stuff that comes up, you know, there's lots of emotions that come up, but like the colors, the visions, like we have meditations that are like meditation and manifestation. <laughs> And the ideas mm-hmm. that come through and you can really tap in and listen to your body, the ideas, the creativity, the, that energy is, I just wish I could bottle it up and sell it. But anyways, here we are <laughs> on podcast, spreading the word. Um, <laughs> Next best thing. <laughs> that is the, that's why I love this community so much and what it's growing into um, is just this safe space. And um they blow my mind. Like I'm, I'm just so grateful. So, which I'm sure you feel the same with your warrior troop. Absolutely. Hmm. That's beautiful. Hmm. Well, I would love to hear about what you're working on now, what you're excited about, um, that's going on in your life, in your work. Um, over yeah. the next few months. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, because you already know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm a podcaster too. And that's actually how Christine and I met. She was a guest. And by the time this episode airs, your episode will be out on the Everybody Holds a Story podcast with my stellar co-host Marsha Van Weinsberg. I love her so much. I loved being on your podcast. Honestly, it was like one of my favorite ones. I'm not even joking. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I get to edit it this weekend, so. <laughs> get to rehear it. I'm excited for that. Um, so yeah, actually, I'll just share this little, st- little quick story at the end. Um, Marsha had back surgery last August and um, before that I was driving to her house, which is an hour down the highway, um, to put my hands in her abdominal fascia to work on her body before she was given the okay to have surgery because of all the lockdowns. We didn't know when the surgery was going to be. So I was literally just going there to like manage her pain. <laughs> and as my hands were in her abdominal fascia, the words, everybody holds a story came through my body. And at first it was a book and we both just kind of looked at each other and we're like, huh, that's a really sweet title. And then we're like, well, since we're both podcasters, why don't we make it a podcast first, see how it goes. And uh, so now we're at, I think you're going to be episode 33, 33, 34. And we are now on onboarding authors for the Everybody Holds a Story book series. And we are so pumped to have this collaborative book. So each author writes their own chapter. 
um, based on a body experience that they want to share. And the goal for our podcast and the book is to really provide um, knowledge, wisdom, resources that helped whoever our guest or the author um, to leave to the earth for the next generation of humans, because we're living in this world where there's so many different like healthcare options and, you know, what's right, what's wrong and all of this stuff that um, it's really nice to just connect with someone's story. And um, that's just kind of how we um, have networked anyways. And um, so, yeah, we have big plans. It's a big vision. Um, the story that we're on or the book that we're onboarding right now is the first of many. We already have um our next couple of additions, one on women's health, another one on children, um, because a lot of us parents are navigating health things with our children. And so we really want to um, provide that guidance and just that sort of relatability in terms of the story sharing. And it's just really nice to like hold a book in your hands. Like I've written in two collaborative books. Marsha's written in five and we were like, it's just a no brainer. You know, um, a lot of people want to become authors, but A, it's like so expensive to hire a publisher for your own book. So just writing for a chapter is a little bit more affordable and you get to like write with your new best friends that you don't even know yet. And <laughs> it's like a big party when the book releases too. And um, yeah, I'm just I'm just so stoked for that. I'm so excited for you guys. I didn't even know that your vision was that big. Oh, like, yeah. It's always big. Different se- I mean, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Actually, Marsha didn't know it was that big either until I was... <laughs> wait, where's the pad? I had this pad. Where's the idea pad? Where's the idea pad? <laughs> it's not in this room, but I had like, I'm like, look at all the additions we have. And there's like nine different ideas. <laughs> That's like, what, that's how my brain works too. Okay. <laughs> like, hope you're in. <laughs> like, you're in for the long haul. So, um, yeah, we're pumped. And um, to your listeners, if you are someone that has, I know some people are like, I don't have a body story. I'm like, oh my gosh, just like, let's connect, and I will show you how many body stories you. <laughs> Well, that's the coolest part is that you guys are doing so much coaching. Like you're not like you're showing up for the people that you're bringing on board to even help them unpack these, like help them tap into them beyond the surface level. Um, Sometimes we don't even know the stories that our body is holding, first of all, which can cause, you know, can contribute to more stress and trauma and then learning how to release them in a way that is respectful and honorable to ourselves and um, share the message that the world, you know, really wants to hear, needs to hear is I think an amazing aspect of this. Um, I just, I know you guys are going to be so successful in this process, like in this whole thing, whether it's the podcast, the series of the book, I just, a Netflix series? What? I don't know. Who said that? Ooh. Um, Ooh. <laughs> but it's beautiful. Uh, it's really amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, like you mentioned, the coaching part of it, like this practice will be in it 
as well. Um, because a lot of times with whatever story we've been holding on to, we tend to bury it, right? And so it's really hard to translate it into words after it's been years and years where you've like stuffed it down. Um, so, you know, get to use this fascia magic to help um, really listen and kind of extract, like you said, unpack the words that you want to be able to express in the chapter. So, um, which we've never really done before. So it's going to be, it's going to be wild. <laughs> Let's do it. You guys. It's going to be wild. <laughs> Unchartered territory. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, this was amazing. You're freaking amazing. Um, where can people follow you and connect with you on all the places? Thank you, Christine. You are amazing and keep doing your work because the world, the earth needs it. Um, I usually hang out on Instagram mostly. So it's just underscore Suru and Ru is with an H. So S-U-E-R-U-H-E. I'm on Facebook, but I'm not really on Facebook. Um, <laughs> and just our podcast, like on all platforms. Um, I have a podcast called Love Yourselves, but I feel like I'm going to wrap it up with a bow this year because I just can't um, edit both shows anymore. And with the vision, with Everybody Holds a Story, I think it's just um, where we're going. So Everybody Holds a Story. Definitely check that out. I'll put all the links yeah, below, you. of course. And thank you guys for listening. But thank you so much for doing this um, and sharing your practice with us today. Really, really appreciate it. Thank You're welcome. You. Welcome. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Here are a few powerful takeaways. Number one, movement provides an opening inside the body to allow for more flow and connection to our feelings as well as to release. Number two, fascia tissue is a web of fibers that wraps around every bit of our insides, even into our brain. Myofascial release uses safe and very effective hands-on techniques that involves applying gentle, sustained pressure into the myofascial connective tissue restrictions to eliminate pain and restore motion. It can help everything from physical pain to emotional pain release, as well as decrease inflammation in our joints and muscles to inflammation and as well as disease. Number three, the energy we are do using affects every single cell of our body. When we're running, we are breathing heavy. We're expanding the fascia in our diaphragm and we're opening up new channels of energy. Number four, Myofascial release work is slow, gentle, and sustained pressure to liquefy or create a viscous flow of the fascia tissue so it can elongate and increase motion. Number five, the connection to self is the missing piece to our mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual health. And number six, there's all this external noise out in the world, but really the power is within us. It's just about tapping into it. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did, and I hope you have an amazing day, Warrior. See you next Monday for another episode. And don't forget to check out the workshop link to the free workshop on how to naturally improve depression and anxiety for good. It's going to be amazing.
I will see you next Monday for another episode. If you haven't already, please take a minute to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It means everything so that this podcast can reach and impact more people to empower them in their mental health care. Thank you so much. And I will see you next week.